Welcome back to the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning Podcast for episode number 148. that I'm hoping will expand your thinking like it did mine with our next guest, who's worked with Tony Robbins, leaders of Microsoft and IBM, and other high-powered executives to elevate states of consciousness, results, and high levels of productivity from elite athletes to regular people just like you and me. I'm Andrea Samadhi, author and educator from Toronto, Canada, now in Arizona, And like many of our listeners have been fascinated with learning and understanding the science behind high performance strategies in our school sports and the workplace with ideas that we can all use, understand and implement immediately. This week's guest, Dr. James Hart of BioCybernaut Institute has devoted his life to the study of the electrophysiological basis of advanced spiritual states. He has traveled the globe in pursuit of his research, including his visit to India, where he studied advanced yogis from Zen masters to prayer. Dr. Hart has continued his relentless pursuit of advanced brainwave and meditation connections that allow people to become the best form of themselves that they can be. He believes it's possible to change your brainwaves and change your life. Let's dive into this new world and uncover what Dr. Hart believes is the key to improve productivity and results. Welcome, Dr. Hart. It is wonderful to meet you, especially since your offices are in Sedona, Arizona, which is just a little bit over a two-hour drive from me here in Chandler. Thank you so much for being here today. How delightful to speak with another Arizonan, especially one with the name of Samadhi. Ah, exactly. Good last name. Thank you so much. Well, hey, did you have thunderstorms up your way? I'm just curious. So we've been storming all day today. Well, uh, not today, but we've had uh, drenching downpours, which has been absolutely wonderful. It has been. It's been fun. I have, sure. I have friends in Oregon who are um, pleading with me to send some thunderstorms their way. Yeah, we need it in the valley for sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, Dr. Hart, I am so interested in helping people to use an understanding of their brain for improved results in their personal and professional lives. And Worthy I- goal. Thank you. Thank you. It's It's been fun. It's been a fun couple of years uh, with this angle. And I just released an episode about the importance of understanding our brain states. Can you give an overview of our brain states and why you think people are operating in the beta state with high stress and how perhaps you see we could access those alpha brain states where those higher levels of productivity exist? Well, one useful metaphor is a uh, four-speed car where you have first gear, second gear, third gear, and fourth gear. Now, you know how uh, unfortunate it would be if you shifted from first gear directly to fourth. And when you were slowing down, if you shifted from fourth gear down to first. Well, that's how most people run their brains. They're unconscious, uh, you know, in sleep, 
they wake up probably with not enough sleep, the alarm, they toss down some coffee, uh, putting them right into beta. Uh, and so they're shifting from first gear to fourth gear. And then they full tilt boogie all day, jamming down more coffee, lots of stress. Uh, and then at the end of the day, uh, maybe they take some kind of drug, alcohol, sleeping pill, whatever, to you know put them to sleep. And so the uh, when you drive a car, shifting from first to fourth gear and from fourth to first, you have high repair bills and uh, also uh, low gas mileage. You drive your brain that way. You have high medical costs or psychological costs uh, and low productivity. And so it's really important to use the gears in between alpha and theta. And uh, to do that uh, requires a, a process of uh, slowing down. Um, and you can do that with 20, 30, 40 years of meditation, uh, or you can do that in a week with a intensive 14 hour a day, roughly uh, BioCybernaut Alpha brainwave training program. And so if you're gonna cram 21 to 40 years of Zen equivalent into a week, there's not a lot of time for lollygagging. Mm. So, you know, people show up at 9 a.m. on the first day of the BioCybernaut Alpha training. And at the end of the day, when we return watches, cell phones, Whatever time it is, we add 11 hours for the turnaround, and that's when they come back the next day. And so it is really like a meditation intensive, um, but it's more intense than a meditation intensive because if you could, uh, one of the things I like to do is to put meditation and brainwave training into a signal to noise a metaphor. In meditation, you're trying to tune into this very subtle internal signal. And so you go to a quiet place, a cave, a forest, a church, a temple, a mosque, a synagogue, uh, or your meditation room in your home. You turn off the TV and the radio and turn off your cell phone and you dim the lights, you close your eyes and you sit there and you focus inward. Well, that's all very helpful to reduce the external noise. And we do that at BioCyberNet. We put you in a soundproof chamber. However, the difference is in meditation, you're kind of floundering, trying to tune into the subtle internal signal. You don't even know what you're looking for. Uh, but in the biocybernaut chamber, you know exactly what you're doing because with our technology, we reach in and we pick out the brain waves. They're very tiny, just a few millionths of a volt. And we amplify them 100,000 times. And then... Uh, it's like, well, for example, you take a shaft of sunlight and you put it through a prism and it gives you the spectrum from red to uh, violet. We put your brainwaves through the equivalent of a prism and we pull out the alpha waves, which are one of the colors, along with delta, theta, Schumann, alpha, beta, gamma. We pull out the alpha and use the amplitude of the alpha to run the loudness of beautiful tones. So you're listening to your brain playing flutes and oboes and organ music and uh, saxophones and clarinets and a voice we call mystic choir. And the louder the music gets, it means the bigger your brain waves are. This is unlike meditation where, well, feedback is required for all learning. Yeah. 
any teacher or mother knows this. Um, and uh, the problem with meditation is you don't get any feedback in the early stages. Once, if you persist and you get really good, then you get feedback, celestial sounds and smells and visions and all kinds of cool stuff happen. But the feedback is needed most at the beginning. Right. Almost everything you're doing is wrong. Mm -hmm. So when you're in a biosovereign chamber, you have the benefit of the quiet. You know, your cell phone has been confiscated, not to be returned till the end of the day. And there's no clocks and there's no radios and there's no televisions in the building. And so you have your own private chamber to focus inward. But then in addition, we pick up your brain waves and we turn them into beautiful music. So you get feedback. Learning happens very quickly. This is so fascinating. I just loved watching Tony Robbins experience. And, and I know he says that there's no problem that can't be solved in alpha. Mm -hmm. And until I saw your work, I only knew, I didn't even know alpha was an important level for me to go solve problems. I, I just knew go and meditate and the answers yeah. will show up. But yeah. I didn't, until I maybe, got- Maybe, maybe you know, if you make the right brainwaves. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Who knows if I'm doing it right. But can you explain? That's where feedback comes in. Exactly. Can you explain what is the patented neurofeedback training that you've developed and a little bit more about your programs? I know you've talked about the chamber and what you do, but how can how, how can we learn a little bit more about what people would see like Tony explained? Well, yeah, I'd be happy to do that. And uh, at the end of that uh, description that you've called for, I'm going to actually amend uh, or add to that report from Tony Robbins uh, because I've talked to Tony about that. And I said, Tony, I really thank you for, you know, saying all those good things about your biosovernaut training. But I want to remind you that what you say is true when what he said is there's no problem that can't be solved in alpha. This is true only if all the data that you need to solve that problem was at some point in your life known to you. You might've forgotten it, that's okay. Because in alpha, your brain can go out to everything that you've forgotten, pull it in and assemble it in a new way to you know, solve the problem. But if the information needed to solve the problem has not yet been known to you, and maybe it's not known to any human in your historical time period, ah, then alpha isn't gonna do it. And you need theta because in data, you can pull unknown information to you, unknown to you, out of the universal data bank that we call the Akashic Records. And so I've actually talked to Tony about that. And uh, he is planning to come back uh, as soon as he can fit it in his schedule and do a theta training. I know a little bit about those records. <laughs> oh, boy. This is okay, so then to answer your question about, well, well how does it work? Uh, the effectiveness of this, it, see, we to say that what happens at BioCybernon is neurofeedback training is like saying what happens at a rock concert is you're led to a comfortable seat and seated there. Well, that's part of it. Right. It's not all that goes on at a rock concert. And so all that goes on at BioCybernon is way beyond neurofeedback. In fact, neurofeedback is, is one of the three pillars. There are three pillars. One is the patented ergonomic technology. There's a hundred dozen ways to do brainwave training wrong. 
And in the early days, when I came into the field, 90% of all the published studies proved that people could not learn to increase their alpha with feedback. And it was because they were using bad technology. And then the second pillar is the methods. There was one researcher, his name was Jackson Beatty, and he would have people sit in a lighted room with their eyes open for eight minutes doing brainwave feedback, and they need to have them get up and run around the room and sit back down and do another eight minutes. Well, this is uh, not a very good protocol. But in the days, early days, you know, people were operating from, you know, maybe scientific guesses. They had no knowledge of what the alpha state was like. Uh, I had had, I'd been blessed to have a breakthrough experience in Joe Camilla's lab very early on. And so I knew what the ALF experience was like. And I knew from that, plus all the science that I had read going back to the early you know, 1900s uh, of what made alpha come and go naturally. Uh, for example, blue light suppresses alpha less than other colors. The smell of lavender enhances alpha. The smell of musk suppresses it. If you're lying down or semi-reclined, you're into a drowsy state and it's harder to make big alpha. You could look at studies where they had the people lying down doing alpha training and they wouldn't learn. And so you need to sit quite upright, like in meditation. Yogananda said, imagine if you're meditating, that you have a hook in the top of your head and your whole body is hung from that hook. So your spine's perfectly straight. This is not a recliner chair, okay? Mm -hmm. So The first pillar is the ergonomic technology. Second pillar is the optimized training protocols. Uh, you couldn't, for example, take off in an airplane if you taxied 100 feet and then stopped. And then the next day you taxied another 100 feet and stopped. And the next day you taxied. The, you'd get to the end of the runway and this transformation we call flight would not have happened. This is why the training at BioCybernaut is long sessions on consecutive days. The momentum that you build up uh, on one day, you get to transfer to the next day. And then the third pillar is what we call the transformational perspective of the trainer. At the end of each session, you go to a debriefing room, which could be a room with canopied beds or uh, recliner chairs, because now you can recline if you like. And there the trainer uh, uh, deftly asks questions to bring out the details of what happened to you in your session. And uh, if these are not spoken, if they're not asked about, very quickly the ego will cause you to forget. And whatever internal state you had developed with the aid of the feedback would likely be gone. Ego would use the forgetful hindrance to erase from your memory how to get there and how to do that. So you need debriefing at the end of each session by a skilled trainer. You need appropriately long sessions and you need a technology that's been optimized to enhance alpha. I'll give you an example, in the bad old early days, they would have people look at a meter where the meter would go up if you made more alpha. Well, anything you do with your eyes open is going to lower your alpha. Uh, you don't try to teach a bird to fly with a rock tied around its leg. And that's what trying to do feedback, brainwave feedback for alpha with your eyes open is like. So they need to be closed. You need to be in a erect posture. You need to be reasonably well rested. The room needs to be cool. 
probably about 68 degrees Fahrenheit to guard against drowsiness, which even the Zen people thousand years ago knew was one of the hindrances. And so you put all these things together and then you get magic. Got it. Got it. And I know you've worked with high powered people. We mentioned Tony Robbins and I was connected to Tony back in the late nineties when I worked for Bob Proctor in the seminar industry. uh, So, so I can see why people like Bob and people in the high performance space would be looking at this. And then I saw you were also working with Michael Beckwith. He was connected Mm -hmm. with Bob back in the day. And so I also saw that in addition to high performers, and elite athletes, you've done some work with the U.S. Army Special Forces, who are like Green Berets. Who, yes. oh, the, yeah, the, and but they don't get any time off like an athlete. So, right. what are you doing to help eliminate emotional trauma with this brainwave technology with someone like that? Well, you ask uh, a number of really important and powerful questions there. One, we're talking about, uh, of course, emotional trauma. Another, we're talking about peak performance. And uh, I had the privilege of moving the technology to a secret army base where they were training U.S. Army Green Berets. And I trained two 12-man teams of these special forces. And... They absolutely loved it. To give you an idea how much they loved it, after their training was over, they asked me to leave the technology on the Army base for another three months because once a week while they were in training, they had they had to stay on base, but they had what were called voluntary days where they could swim, play ball, date a girlfriend, uh, you know, sleep in two-thirds of them chose to go back to do more brainwave training because they felt it was so powerfully effective in helping them be better for their mission. And as a group, they were the most wonderful group that I ever worked with because they had an ethos of training. They would wake up every morning with a clear determination that at the end of that day, they were going to be better in some way that was relevant to their mission. Maybe it was marksmanship, maybe it was strength, maybe it was martial arts training, whatever. They were gonna be better at the end of the day in something. And so if they would, because like everybody, they have egos and the egos would come up with the hindrances, they would identify it and they would toss it aside and charge forward in doing the training. So it was really wonderful to work with these very special uh, beings. And, Now, in terms of uh, emotional trauma, um, I had the privilege uh, of working with over 200 Canadian Aboriginals. Now, it's coming out now. I knew back, you know, 2010, 2011, about the problem with the uh, children who had Native children who had been killed uh, in the residential schools. One of the people I trained, Georgina Lightning, did a movie called Older Than America, which I recommend. And she documented 50% of the native children sent to these schools died there. They had signs in the school saying, kill the Indian to save the man. Now, if you press them, they said, well, we want to kill the Indian spirit or the Indian culture so we can save the person so they could be white culture. And so uh, I actually trained Chief Willie Littlechild who was on the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, he said, if you have been abused, 
and you haven't forgiven, you will become an abuser. Well, as a people, these people had as much uh, traumatic stress disorder as returning war veterans. And so many of them had been incredibly brutalized and traumatized in their experiences in these residential schools, mostly run by priests and nuns. And um, so at one point, because uh, I, I, I did research, I gave them personality tests before and after their alpha training. And uh, the healing was so profound that I was able to write a pub paper, publish it in a medical journal. It was called Reduction of Psychopathology in a Cohort of Male and Female Canadian Aboriginals. And so as traumatized, in many cases, as returning war veterans, and the alpha training solves these problems, a key component of the alpha training is the forgiveness. We have a 14-step forgiveness method that has evolved over many years. And I've brought forth and put together the very best of the best of methods that people tried. And I've had Christian fundamentalists come into the training and say, oh, I'm so glad that you have a faith-based training. And I go, what do you mean? I say, well, you teach forgiveness. I go, well, yes, but it doesn't come from faith. Well, what does it come from? It comes from the practical reality that it works. That it solves <laughs> people's traumas. It solves people's underlying emotional traumas. Mm -hmm. Because it works. And we, we do ask people to bring in three unimpeachable high beings. Uh, and, you know, a, a fundamentalist Christian would probably use you know, Jesus and maybe some angels. Uh, but the native people would use spirit of bear or spirit of eagle or spirit of wind. And I understand that as the platonic ideal. What we're looking for is a consciousness that was without flaw. No greed, no selfishness, no anger, no hatred, pure consciousness to advise them uh, when they're doing the forgiveness work, whether they've done enough or not at certain points. Oh, this is good. This is good. Now, Dr. Hart, do you ever have a vision of creating something that people could use from home? Because not everyone's going to be able to come to Sedona or go to your Ger Germany location. And I just love what I'm hearing. But is that ever on the map? Oh, yes. Before COVID shut down this project, I had spent over $100,000 on a home wearable unit. I won't say what it was, uh, but we actually had a, uh, a prototype. Uh, we had circuit boards working and we had a device that, you know, wasn't functional, but we had manufactured it. And so uh, we were shut down uh, uh, for, you know, months. And so we didn't have the money to continue the engineering and the project stopped. I've tried to get it going again, but the head engineer, we were working through Upworks, he said, the team is dispersed and, uh, you know, there's no way we could recover any of the software, the electronics or whatever they did. So that $100,000 is down the drain, but we will be starting it up again. And uh, I know people like Tony would be ecstatic to be able to offer a device for under $500 uh, to their audience that would in fact help with mindfulness. Yeah. Now, I wrote a paper recently called The Quest for Mindfulness. And everybody can access it easily for free because it's in the British online journal. Uh, it's called EC Psychology 
and psychiatry. And uh, the paper title is Quest for Mindfulness. And it reviews, you know, mindfulness has actually become a global, a multi-billion dollar industry. And there's all different kinds of traditions uh, that are helping people, or at least intending to help people toward greater mindfulness. Of course, some are more effective than others. And so, uh, but it's a very worthy goal. And uh, there will be coming along at some point a, uh, a personal device uh, that you can have and carry with you and use. And from my research, it has shown that although it's not as good as the alpha feedback training here for raising your alpha, it's the second best thing there is. Mm, I love this. I am so excited <laughs> and I can't believe you're just up the road from me. So <laughs> tell me if I was to come to your offices, I, I'm going to put all the links to your trainings in the show notes. Let's just say someone's listening and they're curious, they click on it. You, you've got your everything is online, your pricing is there it, and you're in line with the pricing of this, the high powered seminars, those people that offer those, you know, those weak seminars, it's right in line with where you are. And you do have payment plans and things like that. But for, for someone looking at you for the first time that thinks, oh, I want to come, I want to do this week. Um, I need to increase my productivity. I need to get rid of these stressors in my life. What, what does it look like? You pick a training and then what? Oh, well, now that's a very interesting question. Hmm. Because a lot of those seminars that you talk about, and, and, and thank you for, you know, sort of evaluating and ranking, hmm. uh, a lot of those, uh, the enthusiasm fades. Uh, yep. Now, I have scientific research that shows the benefits of this training actually increase at least six months and even 12 months after the training. Well, that well, it was a study, a research study funded by the federal government, the Institute of Mental Health. It was a three-year grant entitled Anxiety and Aging Intervention with EEG Alpha Feedback. Now, I had been for over a decade uh, actually got used to the fact that people would have profound life-transforming changes in the course of a week. It would blow people's minds. When I would show the personality test pre and post to psychiatrists, they would like freak out because they had never seen such profound beneficial changes in personality. But the question was, did it last? When I wrote the federal grant, I built in funding so we could do six-month follow-ups and 12-month follow-ups. And so we did. And the uh, target population was women from 60 up into their 80s. Why? Well, because anxiety is higher in women than men at every age. In both men and women, anxiety increases with age. And in women, it goes up faster. So older women would be most at risk for anxiety. And so I wanted to see if the technology, which worked really well with high anxious, younger um, males and females, did it work with older people? So we worked with women who were from 60 up into their 80s. And I discovered they had the same range of benefits. It was like, it was like these ladies had drunk from the fountain of youth. Uh, many of them had never graduated high school. They went and got GEDs after the training. Then they went to college. They got degrees. Some of them went and got advanced degrees. Uh, one of them became a hypnotherapist. Others started businesses in their 80s. Uh, it was just absolutely remarkable. But we brought them back at six months 
to retest them, wondering like, well, how much of these benefits, you know, lasted? Well, to our utter astonishment, their personality profiles were actually better at six months than they were immediately after the training. Of course, those were way better than they were before the training. And so while we're puzzling, like, well, how could this be? Another six months go by and we bring them back and we test them at one year and we find there are further improvements in their personality profiles. Now, how is this possible? Well, before we go into how is this possible, because I have a theory that I'll share with you. Let's go back to uh, the emotional intelligence benefits. The EQ benefits of the premium double training average 15.8 points. Well, Travis Bradbury, Dr. Travis Bradbury and his co-author Janine Greaves have written a book. I actually have a copy of it here. Mm-hmm. It's called Emotional Intelligence 2.0. And in there, they say that a one-point increase in EQ causes you to have an average, if you use global average income, it causes you to have $1,000 more income per year for one point gain in EQ. Now that's averaging income levels in Bangladesh and the Seychelles and Pakistan and uh, France and Germany and Canada. And, you know, it's a global average. If you live in a first world country, you're likely to have far more opportunities. And so a one point increase in EQ is likely to be much more than a thousand dollar increase. Actually, it's 1300 is what they say, $1,300. Okay, so if we take the increase in EQ, which averages 15.8 points, and we uh, multiply that, uh, 15.8 points, and we multiply that by $1,300, uh, we get, we would expect to have um, 15.8 times 1,300, we get $20,540. Well, that's more than the cost of the premium double training, which is $19,998. And so just using a global average of the income that people would gain from uh, a 15.8 point increase in their emotional intelligence, it looks like on average, the training would pay for itself in the first year. And if you then go out 20 years, you know, you're talking about hundreds of thousands, three or four hundred thousand dollars more mm-hmm. than would have having done this training than if not. Mm-hmm. So always nice to be able to show people that there's a reasonable path that a course that they take is going to net them uh, more than the money that they paid for the course. In, not even counting the personal benefits and the relationship benefits and the creativity benefits. Well, we did an increase. We studied the benefits of uh, IQ. The average increase in IQ from the Alpha One training is 11.8 points. And that's stable at least a year out. There was no hint of it beginning to fade at all, at least out to a year. And so uh, unlike most seminars where there's a rah, rah, excitement, oh, this is so great. And then a week later, it's like, well, what, what, did, I, what did I learn? Yeah. Yeah. Because oh, I like that. Now, now I, I promised you I would give you a theory of why this can happen. Uh, And it's actually fairly deep. Um, There's a famous quote by Goethe, which says, uh, there's one elementary truth, the ignorance of which kills countless ideas and splendid plans. And here's that truth, that the moment one definitely commits oneself, 
then providence moves too, raising in one's favor all manner of unforeseen incidents and meetings and material assistance, which no man or woman could have dreamed would have come their way. Boldness has genius, power, and magic in it. Begin it now. Okay, so the key thing in there is once one definitely commits, then providence moves too. Now, I ask people when I read the quote, we do that every uh, day one of every training. What does providence mean to you? In colonial New England, it was used a lot. And people meant like God's will or God's grace or whatever. Uh, and it, even non-theological people will see providence as, you know, the universe, a source, uh, the power that is. <clears throat> and so take the quote, once one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves to, okay, commits oneself. That means you take on the identity of the person who has committed. When people do the forgiveness process, we ask them after they bring the person into court and they charge them and they go into feeling the pain of whatever that person did to them. If they connect to the pain, their alpha will drop, their scores will turn white. And then we ask them to decide to forgive and then look for a gift or lesson and so on. But in that deciding to forgive, you may not really be ready to forgive. You may not know how to forgive. But when you decide to forgive, you briefly take on the identity of someone who has forgiven. Now, taking on the identity, we know that when you change your brainwaves, you change your identity. That's something that I established long ago. Profound personality change follows learned changes in the brainwaves. Paranoid schizophrenics become normal people. I've uh, demonstrated this over and over. The same with depression and hostility and anger and fear and things like that. So we know that the, when brainwaves change, identity changes. Well, there's a wonderful book called Parallel Universes of Self by Frederick Dodson. And he says, identity is synonymous with reality. So you change your brainwaves, you change your identity. When your identity changes, your reality changes. You literally show up in a different universe. How did Goethe say it? Once one definitely commits, you take on the identity of the person that is committed to do whatever it is you want to do. Once one definitely commits, then providence moves too, raising in one's favor all manner of unforeseen incidents, meetings, and material assistance, which no man or woman could have dreamed would have come their way. Do you know and, that's on my wall right behind me? I've got oh, you do that quote right on my wall. Oh my god! <laughs> I bought it on a poster when I moved to Arizona. It's right on the wall, and you're saying it, and it's bringing chills because make a committed decision so of what you're doing, and I look at that all the time. What What am I doing? What's my committed decision? Once you exactly. make a decision, everything yeah. falls through. It's so yeah. true. You're talking my truth. I'm getting chills. This is wild. Oh, this is so good. Yeah. Well, and then so we understand it. Uh, so for somebody for whom this is new, let's give a simple process example. Mm -hmm. Okay, now you have transformed. Oh, well, let's say, uh, you see, uh, why I was going to explain it was once you change your identity, then your reality changes too. So let's take the example of somebody who was born colorblind. And all they saw was black and white and shades of gray. Then there's some miracle surgery or they may go to Lourdes and put the sacred water in their eyes and there's a miracle and they can see colors now. Well, for months, every sunset and every flower is going to be a showstopper. Oh, wow, 
wow, come look at this, so beautiful. And so, but it's also going to change the way they live. Uh, when they went shopping, colorblind, they'd walk down an aisle and they'd buy a box of this and a can of that. Well, now with color, they're drawn over to the produce section and they buy and eat a, a, a variety of now fresh, beautiful, colorful fruits and vegetables. And so their biochemistry starts to change. They go to the closet to get dressed. And instead of putting together a geekish ensemble where people look at them and go, oh, that's kind of creepy. Now they're color coordinated. And so people that previously avoided them are now approachable or even approaching them. And so their circle of friends and acquaintances expands. And so over time, this one shift in your perception changes everything about how you live. And so when you change your experience of reality, everything changes. And when you change your brainwave, you change your identity and your reality changes too. Oh boy, this is good. This is amazing. <laughs> I love it. I could listen to you for the rest of the day. This is so good. So what, is there anything that's important that I haven't asked you that I've missed on your, your program services, your vision for what you're doing? Well, we have, um, 24 levels of the Alpha Training. Uh, your last name is Samadhi. Mm -hmm. uh, in Ashtanga or Eight-Limbed Yoga, the top three states are Dharana, Dhyana, and Samadhi. Dharana is concentration, Dhyana is meditation, and the top state is Samadhi. There's no description for it. It's the beyond the beyond. And Samadhi is characterized by a super high Alpha all of the state. This has been measured on yogis in India. Uh, there's also a super country state in Zen called Satori, which is also characterized by super high alpha all over the head. And so uh, you perhaps know the concept of samskaras? No. no. Well, it, it's a Sanskrit word. It literally means seeds. And so in your physical body, your astral body and your causal body, you have these seeds, which are scars from traumas that you've experienced maybe this life or people who believe in past lives, uh, an accumulation of these. And for you to get to the state of Samadhi, you have to burn up the samskaras. You have to burn up the seeds. Now, forgiveness is an incredibly powerful way to burn up the seeds of anger and resentment and pain and sorrow and suffering. And so the forgiveness process is the centerpiece of most of the uh, alpha trainings. And so as you go through these alpha trainings, you get more uh, channels of feedback. And, and when you get to alpha four, then the feedback tones don't come on unless you're making alpha simultaneously on at least four of the channels on your head. When you get to alpha five, you have to have six of the alpha channels on your head. And when you get to alpha six, all eight channels left, uh, top, front, side, and back, they all need to be in alpha in order for you to hear anything. So it's a shaping process where you learn how, like in Samadhi, to make more alpha over more regions of your head. And so there's a workup process. And even though the technology can give you the same changes in a week as in seven, uh, four, 10, 21 to 14, uh, 21 to 40 years of Zen, seven days of alpha at Barsabhanov's equivalent of 21 to 40 years of Zen, to actually get to Samadhi often requires a little bit more training. Right. Although we have had people in their Alpha One go into Satori. That has happened. 
Oh, I love this. I love this. I want to thank you so much for your time speaking with me today. I could really keep asking you questions, but I'm going to put everything in the show notes for people to learn more about you. They would go to biocybernaut.com, right? Is that the best place? Biocybernaut.com. Yep, absolutely. And I'll put you, they can find there's you. Lots of, there's lots of free videos that you can access there. Uh, we've been uh, producing uh, a number of videos where people write in with questions uh, and then I'll, I'll give answers. So some of them are short, uh, you know, one to four minutes and others are deeper dives into topics and you can pick and choose. Love it. It's so good to meet you. Thank you so much for your time. And I'll put all the information in the show notes. I wish you all the best. And, and I'm rooting for you for everything that you're doing. This is powerful work. Thank you so much. Well, well, thank you. And it's always a pleasure. I'd be ready to come back anytime to talk to Samadhi. Absolutely love it. And you're welcome to come and have a tour here at the training center. I would love to. I've got a good friend out in Sedona who... Uh, was the one that told me how important my last name was. So thank you so much. I'll be back in touch for sure. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episodes. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com. 